Jesus made bold claims, and the people of his time were trying to figure out who he really was. His claims left them confused and sometimes angry. Through his powerful I am statements, Jesus invites us to gain a fresh perspective and a deeper understanding of who he truly is. Each statement gradually reveals the divinity and character of Jesus. As we piece them together, we see how knowing him changes everything. We know who he is because he said, I am. Back in 1917, old McDougal had a farm. I know this because I found the original lyrics and they go, old McDougal had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. But it was in 1925 that old McDougal would become old McDonald. He'd still have a farm. What's interesting is in Egypt, children would sing, Grandpa Ollie had a farm. In Poland, they'd sing, Uncle Donald had a farm. In Finland, you'd sing, Grandpa Popola had a house. The farmers, the types of property, they don't matter. They all share one thing in common, a variety of animals. Now, let's see if you remember the song. The cows would say, and the pigs would say, and the sheep would say, I have to tell you, I sat in my office this week and I thought, can I get Cornwall Church to make animal sounds? And you did. So thank you for that. Anyway, of all the animals you so accurately imitated, there's one that is the subject of our message today, and that is sheep. And when you think of sheep, perhaps you picture something like this, or, or if not these kind of sheep, maybe a picture like this. Or perhaps sheep like this. Regardless of how you picture sheep, likely you picture sheep with a shepherd. Because sheep and shepherd go together. Like peanut butter and jelly, Batman and Robin, they are forever linked. And in biblical times, they were everywhere and everywhere together. But their relationship was not symbiotic, meaning mutually beneficial. Probably the most famous or well-known symbiotic relationship would be that of clownfish and sea anemones, where clownfish find safety within the poisonous tentacles of a sea anemone, and the sea anemone is protected by the defense of the clownfish. It's a symbiotic relationship. But sheep and shepherds, they exist in a dependent relationship, and specifically, the sheep depending on the shepherd. The shepherd is never off duty. The shepherd is always on watch. And shepherds have a very simple, basic, important, critical job description. Shepherds are to feed, lead, correct, and protect. Feed and lead, correct, and protect. In other words, shepherds are to feed the sheep so they don't go hungry lead the sheep of where they want them to go, correct them when they get off course, and protect them from harm. Now, Pastor Randy Smith would say this about sheep. Sheep are defenseless, liable to stray, pitiful when lost, scattered, stubborn, and unintelligent. 
He goes on to say, clearly they are desperate for a shepherd. They're dependent on someone to feed, protect, and lead them to safe green pastures. Shepherding sheep is hard work because sheep require a shepherd who is patient, wise, caring, and courageous. What's interesting is shepherding Christ followers, it's also a lot of work because we too require a shepherd who is patient, wise, caring, and courageous. We need a shepherd willing to feed us and lead us, correct us and protect us. And the good news is Jesus tells us he is. Today we dive into week three of our summer series, Who Do You Say I Am? And we're going to look at one of his most well-known declarative I am statements, I am the good shepherd. It is the fourth of seven I am statements that Jesus would say recorded in John's gospel. And here in John 10, Jesus reveals more of who he is through yet another illustration. Here, John is recording this conversation, this moment between Jesus and the Pharisees. And Jesus, master of his audience, knew that his audience there would understand this reference, this metaphor. Because sheep were a big deal. Sheep were used for meat. They were used for offerings. Sheepskins were turned into wine containers or parchment or clothing. Moses had been a shepherd. Isaac, Joseph, David as well. Sheep and shepherds were a big part of life. So they would have understood this reference. Now, here's the thing. There is no shortage of amazing sermons on Jesus the Good Shepherd and tons of applications from this passage. So in our time together, I really want to focus in on just three realities that we find in the truth that Jesus is the Good Shepherd. And first is this, Jesus is an invested owner. Jesus is an invested owner. Now, go with me on this. Suppose your house caught on fire right now. You get a text, your house is on fire. Now, the fire department would be dispatched to your house. They'd rush to your home. They'd hook up the hoses and they would get that fire contained. But here's the thing. It would be you, the homeowner, who would be most invested in ensuring that fire gets put out as quick as possible. Because it's your home. It's your stuff. Those are your pictures on the wall and your possessions. Sure, the fire department cares, but not to the same level that you do, because you are the invested owner. Jesus would illustrate this in John 10, beginning in verse 12, when he would say this, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. All right, pause there. Jesus begins with this statement of fact. And why is this important? He's saying because the hired hand is just that, he's the hired worker and he's not the owner, he's not the shepherd, owner shepherd, then what? He continues, when he, the hired hand, sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus isn't mincing words here. He's saying the person brought in and hired on is not 
the shepherd, not the invested owner. They fill the position, sure, but at the first appearance of trouble or the hint of a threat, and they are gone. And the results, we see, the flock is scattered, or your version might say snatched away, but the bottom line is the flock is devoured. The shepherd's job is not just constant, it's dangerous. They have to guard the flock against predators or would-be thieves. And as a hired hand, they care nothing for the sheep, he says. Now, I'm sure there were some maverick shepherds there who would welcome the chance to tangle with a a bunch of wolves. But most often, non-owners lacked a certain commitment or concern. They weren't invested because they weren't the invested owner, they ran away. Whether it's a major corporation or a small town business or a professional sports team, all roads often lead to the owner because it's the owner who often sets the culture and casts the vision and leads or lives the mission. We here in the Pacific Northwest, we've had a front row seat to an invested owner. Back in 1997, Paul Allen, former co-owner, co-creator of Microsoft, would purchase the Seattle Seahawks. Now, his sister Jody would say of Paul that he, meh, liked football. He didn't purchase the team for fame or for money or to boost his portfolio. He purchased the team to ensure that the Seattle Seahawks would remain in his hometown because there was a threat of them moving. When Paul would pass away in 2018, he had already solidified his place as one of the great invested owners of our time. Because Paul invested in culture, in care, in infrastructure, and Paul invested in people. We know there's a very clear difference between an invested owner and an owner in name only. True care really comes through ownership. And so it begs the question, okay, well, how do we know that Jesus was an invested shepherd, that he was an invested owner? Well, his first hint to us is in his word selection, the versus my, the versus my. There's a difference. Here are the employees. Here are my employees. Here are the sheep, here are my sheep. Jesus speaks in a way of possession. And if you read the text within the context, look at what Jesus would say next. He replaces the general the with the possessive my. He says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. This is the second reality that we get to enjoy is that Jesus knows his sheep. Now, I've mentioned before that there are different varying levels of the word know or knowing. It's estimated, for example, that 150,000 people will show up in Seattle next weekend to descend upon Lumen Field to see Taylor Swift in concert. Coincidentally, if our attendance is low next weekend, I'll know where you were. 
Now, here's the thing. In the stadium next weekend, there will be the casual fan, the, yeah, my spouse got me tickets, or I know a couple of songs, those fans. And then there will be the diehard fans, those that call themselves Swifties. These are the people that would take you on in Taylor Swift trivia. They know a lot about Taylor Swift, but even the most devoted fan can't speak of a deep personal knowledge of Taylor Swift. You see, we are limited in our knowledge. We're limited to knowing of or knowing about. But Jesus is not limited. His specialty is really knowing, deeply knowing his sheep. So when he says, I know my sheep, he knows his sheep with an unmatched special knowledge that includes knowing strengths and weaknesses, hopes and fears, trials and triumphs. He knows exactly what each sheep needs every single day. Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. And this knowing, this is a divine level knowing experienced only by God the Father and Jesus the Son. So this knowing he talks about, it is unreachable. It's unlike anything that we could replicate or truly understand. What Jesus is doing here is he's trying to assure the Pharisees and those in the peripheral that unlike the hired hand who's there to clock in, clock out for a shift, Jesus knows the sheep in his care. So much so that he ups the ante a chapter later. He says this, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I and the Father are one. You see, with Jesus as the invested owner, because Jesus knows his sheep, when he speaks, his sheep listen. Jesus is saying, yeah, I, I know that they, they know me. In fact, more than that, when I speak, they listen. They follow my guidance. Jesus, as a shepherd, leads from the front and the sheep follow. And here's a fun fact. Sheep often don't have the best eyesight. And so they would rely on hearing the shepherd to know where to go. A couple of weeks ago, I took my family to Winthrop, Washington, a cute little western town about two hours from here. And one of the activities was floating the Metau River. And as we got to the river, we met our guide, and she was fantastic and gave tons of great, clear instructions on what to do, tips and tricks in case you were to get stuck on the side of the river. And it was just a great time. Last thing she did was she got us all geared up with our life jackets, and then she was there to put us into the river. And the last thing she said is, I'll see you at the end. We had a great float down the river. But before we got to the pullout point, what we heard was our guide. Brian, Alyssa, over here. Start making your way to the right side of the river. And then she let us out. I could hear my guide to follow my guide before I ever saw my guide. I was a figurative sheep on the river. It was imperative that I listened and followed. 
You see, when Jesus says, I'm your good shepherd, when he says it's time to eat, it's time to eat. When he says, watch out for the ditch, it's time to watch out and move. When he says, I am trying to protect you, no, he's trying to keep you from harm. Chris Lungard of Ligonier Ministries would say this, Christ's faithful lambs know his voice because they are used to the sound of it. Because they commune with him often and they recognize the tone and the rhythm of his precious words. His words of peace, humble souls, cleanse from guilt, transform lives, melt hearts, and endears Christ. It's that constant communication between sheep and shepherds. W. Philip Keller says this, it can take a lifetime to learn that Christ, our good shepherd, knows exactly what he is doing with us, he understands us perfectly. Jesus is all in as your good shepherd. But here's what's cool. As I was reading and studying this passage, there was one word throughout the entire passage that I would offer is critical. In fact, he says it two times back to back in John 10 and John, John 10, 11 and 14. He says this, I am the good shepherd. He says it again, same way. I am the good shepherd. The same bold assertion two times to emphasize the statement and to ensure clarity. Do you see the word? One might say it's good. Jesus calls himself not just a shepherd, a good shepherd. You know, we use the word good in a lot of different ways. Something tastes good. Someone looks good. Someone's acting morally good. And while that word good is super important, it's not the word. In fact, the word is the. The is the word. You see, he's not just any shepherd. He is the good shepherd. Jesus is more than just a single shepherd. He is the shepherd. This signifies one. The word the here signifies the one. And the truth is, all of our lives, we have been shepherded. Teachers shepherd us. Parents shepherd us. Coaches shepherd us. Pastors shepherd us. I mean, speaking of teachers, it is estimated that a student from kindergarten to senior year will have between 30 and 40 different teachers. But I bet if I were to ask you, you would come up with the one. The one teacher who rose above the rest. That's not to say the other teachers weren't good, weren't quality, weren't great at what they did, but there was that one. The one teacher who rose above the rest. And that's what Jesus is saying here. In other words, of all the other shepherds, past, present, and yet to come, I, Jesus, am the shepherd, the good shepherd. And he's made this distinction before. He has said, I am the Messiah, the chosen one. I'm the son of God, the king of kings. I am the good shepherd. And remember, biblical good is contemporary excellent. The Greek word for good here describes what is good and noble, wholesome, and perfectly sinless. So in saying that he is good, 
Jesus is really distinguishing himself from any other shepherd because of his inherent goodness, his righteousness, and frankly, his divinity. Jesus here is singling himself out. He's not bragging, it's just who he is. I am the good shepherd. All roads lead to me. And that caused some mixed emotions because those in the crowd, some were comforted by this. I huh, needed a good shepherd. And some were confused. Like, what does this mean, Jesus? I'm not quite getting it. And some were furious. Who do you think you are? But here's the difference. Jesus could back up his claim. He could back it up. I mean, yeah, he uh, cared, he loved, he guided, guarded, fed, led, corrected. Those are all basic qualities of a shepherd. But then you add on the fact that he sees and he speaks and he listens and he knows. Well, that's really good. That's really unique. But there's more. You see, as the shepherd, as our shepherd, he goes one step further. And he says this in John 10, 11, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And a couple verses later, he'd say, I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus here is speaking both metaphorically and realistically, both theoretically and intentionally. I mean, imagine a, a, a flock of uh, sheep getting attacked by wolves. The shepherd maybe jumps in, but he himself is killed in the melee. I mean, no hired hand, no average shepherd would be assumed to take on that risk, to be that committed, to be that invested. But we know Jesus doesn't run, run from danger. He runs toward it in order to protect his sheep. And notice this, this is cool, that Jesus first describes what a good shepherd ought to do. He says, the good shepherd ought to lay down his life for his sheep. Yeah, that, that's what a good shepherd would do. And then a couple verses later, he claims that description for himself yeah, you know what? I'm, I'll do that. I'll lay down my life for the sheep. Protecting the sheep, laying down his life for the sheep. This was not accidental. It was not coincidental. It was intentional. It had always been the plan. Paul would write to the Galatians in chapter one, he would say this, Jesus gave his life for our sin just as God the Father had planned. It was always the plan. And notice this, this is cool too, that he doesn't give up his life, he lays down his life. Jesus willingly lays down his life for the sheep. It's not by force, it is completely a voluntary action. And what this action communicates is, I love you. I'm willing to die for you. I'm willing to stand in the gap for you. I'm willing to pay the price for you. I'm willing to take your place. The good shepherd willing to die in order for the sheep to live. 
So when Jesus says he's the good shepherd, it's more than a title. It's more than an opinion. It's more than a position. He is fulfilling a calling. Isaiah 40, 11 would say this, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. You see, Jesus, as the good shepherd, knows his sheep individually, personally, intimately by name. The good shepherd serves his sheep, oftentimes unrewarded, unappreciated, unacknowledged. It is sacrificial work. Jesus, the good shepherd, leads his sheep from the front of the pack. He feeds his sheep, not just in good pastures, but also with teaching truth. And in this unparalleled care from the good shepherd to us, Jesus provides a very unique rescue and rest. In this care of the good shepherd, we get to experience a unique rescue and rest. In Colossians 1:13, Paul would write, "For he rescued us. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of which his son loves. David would write in Psalm 71, You, O Lord, have rescued me. I'll celebrate and shout, singing praises with all my heart. And perhaps, maybe most famously, in Matthew 11, Jesus would say, Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. You see, only in the care of the good shepherd can we experience rest from activity and rest in activity. Man, rest in Jesus, that sounds phenomenal, right? The challenge is oftentimes we picture a rest in Jesus looking kind of like this. I mean, look at Jesus and that beautiful lamb. I mean, clean, calm, a perfectly sheared coat, just resting there in the arms of Jesus. But man, let's be honest. How often do we look like that? I mean, maybe in our best moments, we might look good for a minute of time. But I don't picture us like this. I see us being held by Jesus like a golden retriever puppy. Jesus is trying to hold on to us because as sheep, we are defenseless. We are squirmy. We make bad choices. We look at life outside of the pen and wonder, what if? We are annoyed by other sheep in the herd. And we know Jesus has his best in mind for us, but man, we are bad listeners and we are stubborn. And as sheep, if we're being really honest, we are dirty. We're dirty. And yet the good shepherd loves us, takes us in, and cares for us anyway. He cares for you anyway. Burke Parsons would say this, some sit on mountaintops, speak only to the masses, 
and stay clean. Jesus walks in the valleys, carries wounded sheep, and gets dirty. So let me just say, if you're sitting here, if you're attending online, for the most mature Christian in the room, to the sheep who's still checking things out, be assured Jesus loves and wants to care for you. We are all in need of a good shepherd. Make no mistake, Jesus wants you in his care. So therefore, do not give in to the lie that you are somehow not good enough for Jesus. Do not give into, do not give any value into any statement that might start like, if you only knew, or if I only hadn't, or Jesus wouldn't want me because, or you wouldn't believe that I, in spite of your past, in spite of your background, Jesus wants to be your shepherd. If you're in the flock, if you're outside the flock, if you're checking out the flock, if you were in the flock and you jumped the fence and you want to know if you can get back in, the answer is yes. 1 Peter 2.25 would say this, For you were like sheep going astray, but now, but now you've returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Look, here's the bottom line. That Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is our good shepherd. He's your good shepherd. Pride, corporations, culture would tell you, you can do it on your own. You don't need anybody else except yourself. You can run your own life. And the answer is, yeah, you, you, you can't. But what happens when you jump the fence and on the other side, you're lost and you're alone? You need a shepherd. We all need a good shepherd. And I don't know what you've brought to church today, whatever it is you're carrying as a burden today, but whatever it is, I 1,000% guarantee that Jesus is available and wants to shepherd you through it for whatever. And the word whatever is all-encompassing. It's the good stuff. We're having a baby. We're getting married. We're off to college. I'm getting a raise. We're buying a house. Whatever also encompasses the tough stuff. A bad diagnosis filing for divorce, the loss of a family member, unable to secure employment, struggling with addiction. But following Jesus is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Following Jesus means he is with you and for you through it all. And as we wait and as we pray and as we trust in God, we can be content knowing he will always be with us, just like a good shepherd, providing exactly what we need. So here is this week's challenge. It is a fill-in-the-blank with an intentional blank. Jesus, as our good shepherd, means I am... Insert the word here. Because Jesus is our good shepherd, it means that I am what? 
Jesus is your personal, intentional, invested shepherd. So what does that mean for you right now? Does it mean that you're safe, that you're loved, that you have value, that you're forgiven, that you're beautiful, that you are seen, that you are free, that you are guided, that you have access to wisdom, that you are worthy? Or simply, does it mean that you are good? Because sometimes we just need to hear that simple truth. That because we have a good shepherd, that means we are good too. You know, most of the time when we hear the 23rd Psalm, it's, it's read or recited to comfort death. But the Psalm is actually intended to express what life could be like under the care of the good shepherd. And so I'm going to invite us here in the room and those online to read the 23rd Psalm together. And here's what I invite you to do. Here at Cornwall in the last month or so, we've really been slowing things down of things we know and just really intentionally looking at things we say, words we sing. As we read the 23rd Psalm together, look for those amazing benefits that we get with Jesus as our good shepherd. It's a benefit to having him lead us as sheep. The 23rd Psalm, read this with me. It goes, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, man. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my good shepherd. I shall not ever be in want. Jesus is our good shepherd, and he says it here, and he proves it over and over and over again. J.I. Packer would say this, God never abandons anyone on whom he has set his love, nor does Christ, the good shepherd, ever lose track of his sheep. Oh. At this time, I want to invite my friend uh, Tia Hickson to join me on stage. And uh, if you're not aware, Tia is the worship director at our Skagit campus in Mount Vernon. And as a conclusion to this message, I ask that she sing this song for all of our campuses. It's a song by Jonathan Azzarello, and it's called Good Shepherd. The words will be on the screen, but man, I invite you to let Tia just sing this song and these words of truth over you. This is the song, Good Shepherd.
Trusting in your good. 
pray with me. Father, we just, uh, we just thank you for who you are, how you'd send your son to be not just a shepherd, not just a good shepherd, but the good shepherd for us. God, for the one who's, who's followed you for so long, for the one who followed you and jumped out and wants to get back in, the one who thinks, I am not good enough. God, would you make it real to us today that you are the good shepherd for all those that want to be in your flock. Thanks for loving us and caring for us, protecting us, investing in us, and laying down your life for us. 